Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, part two of Hell in Handbasket. You know I'm your host, uh, 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 Ted Greer, and that you're listening to Chilling with Teddy G, where everything discussed here has uh, no sugar and no frosting. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, everything is told to you straight up from the truth. We're serving it up raw. And we're going to get back to the... uh, uh, video uh, audio portion of uh, of our distinguished guests and uh, let's uh, uh, continue to uh, hear her and her informative information uh, Ayama Shakur Let's get right back into that. No control. Law enforcement has no control. They're making all of the decisions and they're telling people what they will and will not do and what they refuse to put up with. And nothing's going to be done about it because, you know, they're not going to pull guns on them. They're not going to taste them, pepper spray them or any of those things. In fact, I actually believe that law enforcement is afraid. Okay. They love to say they fear for their lives when it's black people, but no, they still go ahead and shoot and kill black people. Right. But these people, they do nothing. And as I told you, just yesterday when they had the fights at the Capitol, they didn't even arrest anybody. How does anyone not get arrested where there is an assault going on in broad daylight? And the police are right there actively trying to break it up. No one went to jail. Are you kidding me? But yet in New York, the NYPD beat the crap out of a crowd of black people because they claimed that they weren't social distancing. They also went and interrupted and assaulted people at a birthday party for a one-year-old. Let's not forget. Took people to jail. They even had like 50 squad cars out there and even helicopters. This is all of the extra things that they do as it pertains to our people. Meanwhile, dominant society gets away with whatever they choose to. They don't have. They don't have to do anything. They get away with everything. Now, I remind you that she. This was a one-year-old birthday party that they sent out over fifty squads and helicopters and riot gear to break up a one-year-old uh, uh, birthday party. But when all of this was happening to uh, at the Capitol and these fights and the, these people are armed, got guns. No one was beaten. No one went to jail. Rules clearly, okay? As we've seen time and time again. You know what I think? I think that rather than pulling out cell phones and recording their behavior and their foolery, I think that black people need to start acting exactly as these people behave. You know, I think that we should do the society gets away with whatever they choose to. They don't have to go by the rules clearly, okay? As we've seen time and time again. You know what I think? I think that rather than pulling out cell phones and recording their behavior and their foolery, I think that black people need to start acting exactly as these people behave. You know, I think that we should do the exact same thing, okay? Because if they think they're going to keep us in line and they're not going to keep them in line, I think they need to think again. They need to think again, okay? You can't have one set of laws for one group and a different set of laws for another. 
That's just the way it is, okay? Like I told you all, we need to be joining militias ourselves and forming even more of them, okay? This is what we need to do. Because, in fact, didn't we all see the footage of how the police behaved down there in Brunswick after the black militia went down there? See, they don't get so big and bad and bold and overzealous when they see black men brandishing weapons as well. No, they only want to attack the helpless. They want to attack those who are unarmed. That's why all black people at this point should always be armed. Because as I told you before, when people are attacking you, trying to take your life, hurt, harm, and maim you, these people are not acting in the capacity of law enforcement. They are, in fact, at that point, domestic terrorists, okay? Let's not forget, these are the same type of people that kicked in the door of Breonna Taylor, shot her eight times, and killed her, murdered her, okay? And they're not in jail. They are not in jail. But, oh, her boyfriend who tried to defend himself and Brianna, he's in jail with charges, felony charges for attempted murder. Meanwhile, they actually committed murder. The cops did, right? The domestic terrorists, they actually committed murder. My question is this. If the police show up at somebody's house in regular clothes, plain clothes, in unmarked vehicles, and they're serving a no-knock warrant, which means they don't have to announce themselves. They don't have to let you know they're there or that they're even on their way. They can just kick in your door. How are you supposed to know if it's them and not some crazed home invader who's come there to kidnap, kill you, or rob you, or whatever? How are you supposed to know that? And then when you do the correct thing, the right thing, and defend yourself and your family, if you shoot or kill one of them, you're going to jail? How ignorant is that? How does it make sense? And why do these things conveniently always happen to black people? Do you... You hear that? Always conveniently happen to black people. And remind you, now these people were doing nothing more than protecting their home. Because as far as the way that it looks to them, someone is breaking into their home. You got plain clothes cops, right? With no um identity uh, identification uh, of things uh, on their body, you know, like a uniform or a badge. They're busting in this door with with guns, and um, these people perceive them as a threat, which I would too. Who wouldn't? It's the middle of the night. It's 1 a.m. I'm going to be uh, um, darn if I sit back and just allow these people to come in my home and not defend me and my family. I'm going to do something about it. Or has anyone ever, and if you have, please put it in the chat. If you have ever heard of a time, a situation, when police in plain clothes, in unmarked vehicles, showed up at the wrong house to serve a no-knock warrant at a white person's residence and killed someone. Have you ever heard of this happening? Because no, I haven't. Breonna Taylor's house, Never. in fact... They were at the wrong address. The person they were looking for was already in custody. Okay? And you know what I think? Now, this is just a hunch, and I can't prove this is true, but hey, there are scenarios, and there's proof and evidence and reports of police having done this before. Here's the thing. I'm wondering, were the police 
actually there looking for a drug dealer or were they actually there looking for drugs for they themselves to sell? Were they looking for money for they themselves to rob? Were they acting as law enforcement and serving a legit warrant or were they performing a shakedown? That's a good question. Because I find it very hard to believe that the suspect that they're looking for is in custody already and they don't know about it. Come on, America. Who are they kidding? Your suspect is in custody. And I know as soon as he was uh, in custody because they had an active warrant for him, that um, it was broadcasted. And everybody knew about it. This is crazy if they think that we're, as black intelligent people, are going to sit back and believe anything other than that. Was this a shakedown? Can we prove it? No. We cannot. But is it likely? Yes. It's more than likely that this could have happened. Were they performing a shakedown? Because let's not forget, there was just a black man who was um, given the death penalty right who was executed just a couple of months ago remember because police showed up at his home and his roommate fired on them and exchanged fire with them and ended up killing a cop and wounding a couple of others now they say that the cops in that case were there to perform a shakedown and I think it was a shakedown because it's so funny that the cops didn't have on any body cameras why are you working as law enforcement and you have on no body cameras? I mean, isn't that dangerous not only to themselves, but also to the people they're going to confront? They had. Yes, it's very uh, disturbing. You got to remember the same thing happened to uh, Brianna and uh, Kenneth, who Kenneth is on charges right now for attempted murder, you know, for, for trying to protect his home and Brianna, who they killed, shot eight times. These officers also did not have on uh, body cameras. How strange is that? No body cameras. They had on no badges. They had on no uniforms. They were in plain unmarked cars. Now that sounds like a shakedown to me. I'm just saying, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, well, it's usually a duck. Quack, okay? quack. I'm just saying. These are my opinions. I'm not saying that's quack. a fact, but that's just what I think. Quack, quack. That is absolutely what I think. Quack, quack. Okay. Now, also, let me tell you all. Thanks, C.E. King. Hello, Daphne. Let me tell you all something about this guy by the name of Maurice Fain, also known as Arkansas Mo. Now, Arkansas Moe is one of the stars of the TV show, the reality show, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Let me tell you all about him. Now, when this entire pandemic first started, the government was giving out loans and grants to small business owners. I talked about one of them, uh, some of the loans on a broadcast that I did, right? I did as well when I was giving you the updates on the uh, stimulus package. I uh, told you about this uh, 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 
power of protection, uh, employment, uh, something uh, another that was the government was also offering to uh, small businesses as well as they was offering uh, stimulus checks to the uh, to public. Well, they had these small business uh, loans that you did not have to pay out. This is a payback, rather. This is what she's referring to. They're supposed to be giving out money anywhere, I believe, uh, up to $3 million for small business owners who needed funds to, you know, pay the rent on their uh, businesses and to also continue to pay employees to keep them working during this whole thing. Now, Maurice Fain, Arkansas Mo. He actually applied on April the 15th for one of these loans. Now, if you heard about the loans, then I'm sure you know that if you actually got one of the loans and you used it for things pertaining to your business, such as paying uh, the employees, you know, taking care of payroll, paying for your rent or lease or whatever. If you use it for those purposes, then the loan would be converted to a grant and you would not have to repay it. Now, however, if you used it for other things pertaining to the business, aside from those, it would still be a loan with a low interest, but you would have to, you know, a loan nevertheless, and you would have to pay it back. Now, you see what I'm saying? That's the same thing that I was telling you. As long as they provided uh, the information that this uh, these monies was going to be used for the purpose of uh, supporting their business and, and, and keep it going during this coronavirus, uh, you didn't have to pay it back. They were changed to a grant rather than a loan. And the reason why they had it set up that way because they know some of the individuals were not going to use the money specifically for their business. So for those individuals right there, it stayed in the status of being alone where they would have to pay it back. But for the most part, uh, people of color who had businesses who received these loans, uh, they were converted into grants because they used the money what it was uh, initially issued for. I can't say the same thing for the uh, privileged individuals who uh, received this money which is also uh, uh, a topic, a discussion for a, uh, another episode. But please keep that in mind. That all being said, Arkansas Mo applied on April the 15th. He submitted an application. Now he claimed at the time that he had 107 employees for a company that he had called Flame Trucking. And he said on the application that he his average monthly payroll was for $1.4 million and that altogether he was requesting to borrow $3.4 million for him to be able to retain his workers and maintain payroll. So United Community Bank granted him the loan. Now, while they didn't give him the entire $3.4 million, they did give him in excess of $2 million. And I need y'all to keep something in mind, because as I told you before on this episode and many others, that I am a, uh, a retired truck driver. And retired truck driver, ladies and gentlemen, uh, are doing this uh, uh, pandemic are essential workers. There's not uh, one truck driver or trucking company who hasn't been able to find uh, substantial work during 
uh, of this pandemic. In fact, most of the uh, drivers, especially my friends who I still talk to or who are still driving, they're flourishing during this pandemic. They're still making plenty of money. Hey, but according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, Arkansas Mo took this money that he was given and he spent more than half of it on, listen to this, because this is some real niggerant BS, okay? Very niggerant indeed. He spent more than half of the money on a presidential Rolex. Yes, this is what he spent it on. A presidential Rolex, a diamond bracelet, a five-carat diamond ring, leasing a Rolls Royce, and he paid $40,000 in child support. Now, on May the 6th, he was interviewed by the feds, and they were questioning him about him applying for this loan, and they, in fact, charged him with bank fraud. Well, why did they charge him with bank fraud? Because this business that he claimed to have needed the $3.4 million for in order to maintain workers or retain workers and maintain payroll, they said the business actually closed down September the 17th of 2019. So apparently they're saying he lied about needing the money for his business. Okay. And in fact, that he wanted to go and spend the money on these items, these materialistic things that he used or that he purchased. So he was arrested and charged with felony bank fraud charges. And right now, the feds are keeping an even closer watch on him because they say that he used his telephone, his cell phone, to search for countries that don't have an extradition policy with the United States. So perhaps he was thinking of going on the lamb. Okay. Now let's talk about this. Clearly, this is a white collar crime, right? And as many of you may know, the ones who often commit the white collar crimes for millions of dollars, who commit bank fraud, Ponzi schemes, and mortgage fraud, these are usually members of dominant society. In fact, men from dominant society. They usually do these type of things. And guess what? They do this all the time. This is nothing. This is a common practice with them. Now, I'm not justifying what he did because, of course, he was wrong. And the fact that he used the money to buy a Rolex, to lease a Rolls Royce. I mean, the only smart thing he did, in my opinion, was to pay the $40,000 in child support. But all of the other stuff he did was just very silly. Okay. Now, the whole thing is this stuff. Men from dominant society do this all the time. They are the ones who invented these, these schemes, okay? But when black people do these things, you see the reason black people get caught is because when black people go out and apply for these types of loans or do any type of paperwork or whatever or appear to be making you know, a large amount of money, well, the feds quickly start investigating them. It's not usually the same story as it pertains to dominant society. In fact, many of you may have heard of a young black woman by the name of Jamila Davis. She was sentenced to 12 years in prison and they call her the pink wolf of Wall Street. And they say that she is the woman who single-handedly brought down Merle Lynch. 
Now, I find that so funny that they claim that she's the one who single-handedly did it because, in fact, she was merely an accessory. Now, she did commit mortgage and bank fraud, yes, but she was taught the whole scheme by white men who she worked with. You see, they had been doing this. It was a common practice among them. And when she started working there at Merrill Lynch with them, they taught her the scheme. And then she, being smart as black people are, she took what they taught her and took it to a whole nother level and started making more money than them. Which, of course, this angered them. And it also quickly drew attention to her because, like I said, when black people start making millions of dollars, they start looking into it, okay? Never mind, dominant society has been doing this for years, and nobody's looking at them. So it ended up happening. They all got caught. Now, they arrested the white men as well, but here's the thing. They got them to roll over on her. And do you know these same people who taught her the game were the same ones who rolled over and pointed the finger at her and said that she was the mastermind, in fact, behind the whole scheme. So that's why she got 12 years in prison while they got slaps on the wrist. I do believe that the one of them who got the longest sentence only got like 18 months. Okay. And here's what the judge asked her. Because the homes that she was buying, here's basically what they do when they commit these bank frauds and mortgage frauds. Um, they do something like this. This isn't always the case, but I'm just giving you, you know, painting a picture, giving you a scenario of how they sometimes do. What they'll do is they'll have a house that they're looking at, a property, right? And they'll have someone who wants to purchase the property. So they'll get an appraiser that's in cahoots with them, of course, right? And who's going to get a cut of the money? They'll get an appraiser to go in and appraise the property and jack up or inflate the price, the cost. So when they go to closing, they're going to get back this large sum of money, okay, as their commission. Because the appraiser has inflated the house, you know, sometimes for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And these are high-end houses like mansions in ritzy areas and things like that. So with all that being said, once she was in court, you know what the judge asked her? The judge asked her, why didn't she keep that uh, practice that she was doing? Why did she have to bring that to the suburbs? Why didn't she keep that over in the urban area? Basically what the judge said. I mean, hey, he didn't care if she scammed over in the black people's area of town, but she had the nerve and audacity to come to their side of town and do this. This is why. Do you see this? This is what the judge is more upset about than the fact that she committed a crime, period. Oh, they would have been all poured and, and, and um, probably wouldn't have arrested her if she had kept this in uh, her or what they want to say, her neck of the wood. But you got to remember that she was taught to this by the uh, privileged uh, white uh, Caucasian. So technically, it was never in her neighborhood. It was always uh, uh, in their neighborhood. Because you know these uh, um, white privileged Caucasians are not going to take this uh, uh, type of time and effort for a black neighborhood where they're not going to make that type of money that they would make in the suburban areas. So I, I hope y'all seeing this whole entire big picture that uh, uh, Queen Shakur is uh, putting out here for you. Um, 
this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And they're trying to uh, kill us off even before that happens. But again, that go- that's another discussion for uh, another episode, which I will be uh, doing. I guarantee you. She got the 12 years, okay? This is how that works, just to let you years. all know. So anyway, there's that. So as I said, this guy is accused of committing bank fraud and getting all of this money under fraudulent uh, purposes or for fraudulent purposes and spending it on foolish things like he did. You know, that was just clearly some ignorant stuff to them going out here. And it's just really sad that when some black people get their hands on this kind of money, this is what they do. Go and buy fancy cars and diamonds, you know, and things like that and name brand clothes. This is also niggering. Instead of thinking about buying land, you know, property, real estate, things like that. But anyway, I digress. Now, but what she's telling you is absolutely true, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. When you sit back and see that she was the only one out of this entire scheme that did, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that received the 12 years, well, there you go. There you have it. And mind you, they brought her in, trained her, taught her. To uh, how to initiate this uh, fraudulent uh, activity where uh, all of them prospered from it. Not just her. But when it came down to it, white privilege took care of them. And she got deemed the, uh, the head of the entire scheme. And they even testified uh, to that fact. The ones who trained it, the ones who taught it. Yeah. Now you tell me this world ain't going to hell in a handbasket. With gasoline draws on with a lit match. Main topic of discussion is the fact that there is an active warrant out for NFL players DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar, okay? DeAndre Baker is the cornerback for the Giants, and Quentin Dunbar is the corner for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, both of them are being charged or have been charged with armed robbery. Let me read you some of an article that came out on yesterday. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. It says, warrants have been issued for the arrest of New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and the Seattle Hawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar by the Miramar, Florida Police Department stemming from an incident that occurred on Wednesday, May the 13th. Now, Baker has been charged with four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm, while Dunbar has been charged with four counts of armed robbery. And this is per the police report. Now, Baker took money and watches from the victims and with force was was armed with a semi-automatic firearm. 
Dunbar was assisting Baker in taking the money and valuables from the attendees at a party in Miramar, Florida, uh, which is in Broward County. Now, the pair were allegedly hanging at a cookout when an argument ensued, resulting in Baker revealing a, semi, revealing a semi-automatic firearm. Baker allegedly directed a third member who was wearing a red mask to shoot a person who entered the party, but the gun wasn't fired. Both Baker and Dunbar are believed to have taken an $18,000 Rolex and a hublot worth $25,000. Now, the hublot is, a, is another watch. It's a, a fancy watch also, but it costs $25,000. They're accused of taking both of these watches, and Baker and Dunbar also took um, $70,000 in cash. Now, I like how they're not saying alleged. I'm reading you just as it's printed. I like how they're not saying allegedly. You see, that's another thing. Pay attention to the wording, right? Because when dominant society is accused of something and it hasn't been proven, they will say things like, the pair are alleged to have taken, or the pair are accused of having taken. But they're not saying accused. They're not saying alleged. They're saying this is if they know for a fact. Okay? Now, they're going off of witness testimony. Now, I'm not saying they didn't do this. My point is, though, there's supposed to be a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. But as I told you before, that's never the case when it's a black person. So they say that they took an $18,000 Rolex watch, a $25,000 Hublot watch, and $7,000 in cash. Now, a spokesperson for the Miramar police told ESPN that there have been discussions with at least one of the player's representatives about turning himself in, but neither have done so at the time. One witness also told police that Baker and Dunbar lost over $70,000 at a party in Miami just days earlier uh, by gambling and playing card games. And some high, and these were high stakes card games. Now, another witness uh, says that those involved in the robbery left in left the scene in three different vehicles: a Mercedes Benz, a BMW, and a Lamborghini, which were pre-positioned for immediate departure from the scene of the crime. The argument allegedly started over a gambling dispute, and neither player has been incarcerated. The Giants have also released a statement on Dunbar's arrest via Dan Dugan of The Athletic. Okay, um, he says, we are aware of the situation. We have been in contact with DeAndre, and we have no further comment at this time. Dugan also reported that Baker did not participate in the Giants virtual meeting on Thursday or any other meeting during the team's voluntary virtual OTAs uh, this past week. Baker was a first round pick of the Giants in, in the 2019 NFL draft, recorded 61 tackles and started 15 games for the Giants in his rookie season. He finished with eight passes in, in defense and allowed six touchdowns. Opposing quarterbacks had a 116.2 passer rating targeting him. He was expected to be a starter on the 2020 defense after improving down the stretch of a rough rookie season with an addition of defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Okay. 
And Dunbar spent the five seasons of his career with the Washington Redskins and posted a career high of four interceptions last season. Opposing quarterbacks had just a 68.4 passer rate rating targeting Dunbar in 2019, and he allowed three passing touchdowns. The Seahawks acquired Dunbar for the Redskins for a 2020 fifth round pick in March. Let me tell you something. This really sounds crazy to me. Um, I'm just wondering how dumb do you have to be if this is true? Now, I'm not drawing any conclusions. Hotel Michael, thanks for tuning in. Now, I'm not drawing any conclusions because I don't know if they did this or not. At this time, it's just accusations, right? I'm not going to go ahead and say, oh, they did it. They're guilty or whatever. But I will say this. If they did do this and if it is true, why would they risk their careers and freedom? To rob people at a party, a crowded party, I'm sure, where there are numerous of witnesses. But here's something that doesn't quite make sense. They claim that the entire fiasco started over an argument about a gambling dispute. But then a witness says that this all seemed to have been pre-planned because the pair or the three left in separate vehicles that seem to have been pre-positioned. How do they know this? It's not unusual, in my opinion, for them to have showed up in three different vehicles. But what makes them think the vehicles were prepositioned, according to how they were parked? And if it was an argument, how do you just plan that you're going to go and get into an argument or dispute somebody? I don't know. You know, I need, like Dominant Society always says, when it's one of their people, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to wait for all of the facts to come out before I draw a conclusion. I suggest that you all do the same because here is the thing. Let's not forget how dominant society stays on code. And they will come up with all kinds of excuses and reasons and ways to justify their people when they do something or accused of doing something nefarious. So we need to be on code as well. Now, I don't know if they did this. None of us know. Seems like dominant society has already, you know, um, made up their minds that they're guilty. Because as I said, they weren't accusing them. They were flat out saying they did it. They didn't give them the benefit of any doubt because they never said alleged or were accused of. They didn't use those type, those type of terms. I want you to just pay attention to how they talk about things as it pertains to us. Also, when members of dominant society are killed, especially if they're killed by a black person, I want you to start digging into their past. I want you to start looking up their police and criminal backgrounds. I want you to start seeing if they ever got suspended in high school, if they were ever arrested for shoplifting, if they ever smoked weed, if they ever got a DUI, if they ever were violent. I want you to stop looking all, start looking all of these things up. It's imperative that we do this because you see, they love to muddy the names of our people when they're the victims. You know, they never, and here's what they say about their own people. Now pay attention. How many times have you seen killers, serial killers, mass shooters, people who kill their entire families, like Chris Watts. Remember Chris Watts, the white guy who murdered his poor pregnant wife and his two young daughters? who were, uh, one of them I believe was five and the other one was young. But anyway, he killed all of them. Yes, because he had a mistress that he would rather be with. So he killed his entire family. 
But when they showed his picture on the news, the lamestream media showed a family picture of him smiling and, you know, uh, being such a family man to these very people that he murdered, slaughtered, okay, that were slain at his own hands. Yes. Yes, people, and not like they show up. What, 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 are, they, what are the pictures that they show of a uh, black individual who's committed any type of crime? That's right, a mugshot. Never uh, a family uh, a portrait or, or, or uh, um, some uh, graduating high school or college uh, uh, a photograph. Every single time when it's a black person, you get a mugshot. And, and to touch up on something else that she was saying earlier, about uh, the way that uh, when we're accused of a crime, how our backgrounds are uh, investigated and they're looking for any uh, impropriety whatsoever. Right? I don't care if it, you got caught smoking weed, you got suspended out of high school, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a, a previous criminal record, whether it be as an adult or as a juvenile. They dug up every bit of dirt, ladies and gentlemen, and they broadcast it on mainstream media to, to paint this uh, a, a negative picture of, of you. And majority of the times, uh, we're innocent of the crime that we're being um, charged of, that we're being convicted with. We're usually innocent of that. But because they dig up all of this uh, non-essential information, uh, and, and, and put that out there to the public and make uh, anybody that's going to be on a, a jury um, privy to this uh, information before they are selected as jurors. Now, let's keep that in mind while I want to tell you what we're taught as black individuals to um, take things at, at face value. Uh, when it comes to uh, uh, Caucasian individuals. Oh, don't, there's no need to uh, look in their past. Let's stay current with uh, with the individuals because, you know, uh, people are different and, and people can change and, and you can't uh, uh, judge um, an individual for things that have been, um, that they have done in the past. Now, that applies to uh, white privilege does not apply <clears throat> when you're uh, black. Oh no, that does not apply. And this is what they teach us, you know. Oh, no, 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 judge a, a person uh, by uh, their standards of today. When all back in the wild, there's some type of mental instability and, and uh, criminal activity uh, in their past that is just totally uh, uh, forgot about, not used. It doesn't come into play with what's happening right now. When you're Caucasian, that's the privilege that you have. This is the picture they tried to paint of him. And they said, and I quote, that he was quite the family man. <laughs> How are you quite the family man when you slaughter your entire family, pregnant wife included? So that means you killed an unborn child, an infant, okay? So that's just also crazy. But these are the type of images that they portray when it's one of their people. And these are the things that they actually say. 
But when it's a black person who's not even the killer, they're merely the victim by some random crazed lunatic from dominant society. They go and look up police records to try to find any dirt that they can. Just like they did with the Maude Arbery, remember? They said that he was arrested for shoplifting in high school. Even if he was, what did that have to do with him being uh, lynched by these racists? Okay? Exactly, exactly. They do this all the time. They couldn't find any arrest records for Trayvon Martin after he was lynched by George Zimmerman. But, oh, they did find out that he had, in fact, been suspended from school for smoking weed. So they brought that out. And let's not forget the young black girl who was 18 years old and her and her sister were both stabbed. Okay, their throats were slit by a crazed, racist lunatic from dominant society on the subway. And the one who died, the first picture that they thought to put out of her was of what was a picture of her holding what looked like a gun. Only it wasn't a gun. It was a phone case that was shaped like a gun. But they put this out. Why? Because they were trying to make her look like a thug. Like she was some type of gangbanger or some type of criminal. Someone who was hood. Someone who was from the streets. Trying to dirty her image. This is what they do. Now, the reason you see the nice picture of Ahmaud Arbery in the tuxedo, <laughs> that's not thanks to the lamestream media. You see, when you see those type of images of our people, Okay, that paint them in a more human light. Okay, what, that paint them as who they are, an innocent victim. When you see those type of pictures, those pictures are released by the new black news media. That's right. Okay, just like when the racist mm -hmm. white guy in Louisville, Kentucky, went into Kroger and shot the black people. Those nice pictures of them were all put out by a member of black, new black news media. Because, hey, the mainstream media is not trying to show any of us in a positive light. They're trying to make us look like the bad guy so that they feel justified in their lynchings. This is what they do. They stay on cold. It's so funny how they go out here and they commit and perpetrate the crimes, these heinous crimes against our people, but then try to pay our people as bad people. They stay on As, cold. you know, the ones who deserved it. It just goes to show you the mindset, the mental capacity of these people. Because, in fact, even if you are a criminal, don't you deserve your day in court? Shouldn't you be arrested and taken in for questioning? I mean, shouldn't you be arrested, put in jail, and then given a bond and given your rights and given an attorney and given a chance to go to court and speak your side of the story? Not if you're no. black. Very often, our people never make it to court because they're killed by der deranged lunatics from dominant society. And then the rest of the deranged, degenerate lunatics try to come up with lies and innuendo and BS and rhetoric to justify what their own savages have done. This is what they do. Now, how do you? what do you do with that, people? What do you do with that? Well, I love this Queen Shakur. She's telling it just like it is. And her wording is so on point that uh, I find it simply uh, amazing that uh, we're able in the new black media to be uh, able to uh, speak this way. 
Because ladies and gentlemen, up until this point right here, we had no voice. We had no video that we were able to uh, uh, call our own and, and be shown uh, the truth from um, about a dominant white society. And if it wasn't for platforms such as uh, um, this one, and such as uh, uh, um, Fly Nubian Queens and, and the uh, uh, African Diaspora and, and people like uh, 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 Ricky Smiley, people like uh, uh, D.L. Hughley, um, able to put this information out there, we wouldn't be getting it. And this is not the tip of the iceberg of these few individuals that I met, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I encourage you to continue to go out here, uh, seek and search um, the new black media where you can get the story um, unfiltered. You can get the story with no sugar. You can get the story with no frosting. You can get it just as it is being um, told in real time, in, in reality. None of the uh, uh, sugar that uh, mainstream media uses. None of the frosting that mainstream media use. None of the filters. Oh, let's filter this. Let's filter that. No, let's put some sugar on this. Let's put some sugar on that. So uh, in the midst of me giving this in interview, uh, I had to say to, uh, to Queen Sh Shakur, kudos to you telling it like it is. In fact, Let's go back just a little bit and hear some of the uh, proper wording that she used for our open end. So we need to be on code as well. Now, I don't know if they did this. None of us know. Seems like dominant society has already, you know, um, made up their minds that they're guilty. Because as I said, they weren't accusing them. They were flat out saying they did it. They didn't give them the benefit of any doubt. Because they never said alleged or were accused of. They didn't use those type, those type of terms. I want you to just pay attention to how they talk about things as it pertains to us. Also, when members of dominant society are killed, especially if they're killed by a black person, I want you to start digging into their past. I want you to start looking up their police and criminal backgrounds. I want you to start seeing if they ever got suspended in high school, if they were ever arrested for shoplifting, if they ever smoked weed, if they ever got a DUI, if they ever were violent. I want you to stop looking all, start looking all of these things up. It's imperative that we do this because you see, they love to muddy the names of our people when they're the victims. You know, they never, and here's what they say about their own people. Now pay attention. How many times have you seen killers Serial killers, mass shooters, people who kill their entire families, like Chris Watts. Remember Chris Watts, the white guy who murdered his poor pregnant wife and his two young daughters who were, uh, one of them I believe was five and the other one was young. But anyway, he killed all of them, yes, because he had a mistress that he would rather be with. So he killed his entire family. But when they showed his picture on the news, the lamestream media showed a family picture of him smiling and, you know, uh, being such a family man to these very people that he murdered, slaughtered, okay, that were slain at his own hands. 
Yes. This is the picture they tried to paint of him. And they said, and I quote, that he was quite the family man. How are you quite the family man when you slaughter your entire family, pregnant wife included? So that means you killed an unborn child, an infant, okay? So that's just also crazy. But these are the type of images that they portray when it's one of their people. And these are the things that they actually say. But when it's a black person who's not even the killer, they're merely the victim by some random crazed lunatic from dominant society. They go and look up police records to try to find any dirt that they can. Just like they did with the Maude Arbery, remember? They said that he was arrested for shoplifting in high school. Even if he was, what did that have to do with him being uh, lynched by these racists, okay? They do this all the time. They couldn't find any arrest records for Trayvon Martin after he was lynched by George Zimmerman. But, oh, they did find out that he had, in fact, been suspended from school for smoking weed. So they brought that out. And let's not forget the young black girl who was 18 years old and her and her sister were both stabbed. Okay, their throats were slit by a crazed, racist lunatic from dominant society on the subway. And the one who died... The first picture that they thought to put out of her was of what was a picture of her holding what looked like a gun. Only it wasn't a gun. It was a phone case that was shaped like a gun. But they put this out. Why? Because they were trying to make her look like a thug. Like she was some type of gangbanger or some type of criminal. Someone who was hood. Someone who was from the streets. Trying to dirty her image. This is what they do. Now, the reason... You see the nice picture of Ahmaud Arbery in the tuxedo? <laughs> That's not thanks to the lamestream media. You see, when you see those type of images of our people, okay, that paint them in a more human light, okay, what, that paint them as who they are, an innocent victim, when you see those type of pictures, those pictures are released by the new black news media. Okay, just like when the racist white guy in Louisville, Kentucky, went into Kroger and shot the black people, those nice pictures of them were all put out by a member of black, new black news media. Because, hey, the lamestream media is not trying to show any of us in a positive light. They're trying to make us look like the bad guy so that they feel justified in their lynchings. This is what they do. It's so funny how they go out here and they commit and perpetrate the crimes, these heinous crimes against our people, but then try to paint our people as bad people, as, you know, the ones who deserved it. You, it just goes to show you the mindset, the mental capacity of these people. Because, in fact, even if you are a criminal, don't you deserve your day in court? Shouldn't you be arrested and taken in for questioning? I mean, shouldn't you be arrested, put in jail, and then given a bond and given your rights and given an attorney and given a chance to go to court and speak your side of the story? No. Very often, our people never make it to court because they're killed by deranged lunatics from dominant society. And then the rest of the deranged, degenerate lunatics tried to come up with lies and innuendo and BS and rhetoric to justify what their own savages have done. This is what they do. 
Now, how do you, what do you do with that, people? What do you do with that? And then they have the nerve to call black people who don't want to deal with them, who have no love for them, and who call them what they are. They have the nerve to call those of us who do that racist. Make it make sense. We're racist because we're sick of their racism. We're racist because we speak out against the things that they do. Because they usually, nine times out of the ten, have malice of forethoughts, ill intentions, and some type of hidden agenda. And they're always showing their racism. But no, as I told you before, they love to project themselves onto us. What they want to do is bring us down to their level. And the only way they can come up with doing that is because we don't go out here and treat them the way they treat us. We don't. If we did, they would have stopped their BS a long time ago. That's why I'm telling you, and I'm going to tell you again, you're probably getting tired of hearing it. But we have to start giving them the same energy they give us. We have to start treating them the exact same way they treat us. We need to pick apart the lives of their victims. This is what we need to do. We have to pick apart the lives of their victims and demonize them as well, okay? Because that's what I'm going to always do from now on. Whenever one of their people is killed or charged with a crime or whatever, I'm going to dig up whatever dirt I can and post it online. Yes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint a narrative about them. I'm going to push an agenda. I'm going to spread dirt on their name whenever I find it. I'm going to use specific words to describe them like savages, Neanderthugs, killers. Okay? Yes, I am. This is what I'm going to do. Because you see, this is what they do to our people. This is what they do. So I'm going to do the same thing. The same energy they put out is exactly what they're going to get. They want to call our people goons. They're goons. They want to say our people were gangbangers. They are too. Oh, they do have white gangs. You understand what I'm saying? But they call them different words. Like mafia. Like militia. You see, this is what they do. Because here's the thing. You see, the black militia, they do what a militia is supposed to do. They protect their people and they stand up for righteous causes when they're being denied rights, when their people are being murdered, unarmed in the streets by racists and by race soldiers. This is what they do. They stand up and speak in their defense and they provide protection for their people. But what the white militia does is they show up with guns blazing at what they call a peaceful protest. How is it a peaceful protest when you have guns and ammunition? What is the purpose of that? When you are making threats to law enforcement and to the governor, when they're bringing dolls with the same color hair as their governor with a noose around her neck and shouting things like, oh, someone needs to have, oh, someone needs to be hung from a tree. When they're saying these type of things, when they're turning violent and getting into fist fights and melee and causing chaos and pandemonium on the steps of the Capitol. Okay, these are the things that their militias do, right? Threats, violence, and all kinds of melee. This is what they do. So with that all being said, they're never fighting for a righteous cause. The only thing they're ever fighting for is the fact that they're being told to do something that they don't want to do. How is that a righteous cause? Because everyone else 
not just them. Now, here's the thing. Here's when it would possibly make sense. If the governor said specifically to white people, white people, you're going to stay in the house. You're going to shelter in place and you must practice social distancing. Now, with that being said, if the white people came outside and other people came outside or whatever, uh, this is another scenario. If all the people who were supposed to be under social distancing came outside and were breaking the rules, but the police only beat and arrested the white people. Then if the militia was complaining about sheltering in place and social distancing, it would make sense. But that's not happening to dominant society. That's happening to us. But you don't see black people out here with guns threatening the police, telling the governor they're going to kill her and holding up signs and holding up uh, dolls with nooses around the neck of a doll that's supposed to be an image of the governor. You don't see black people doing these things. But yet they would like to have everyone think that they fear for black people. How do they when white men are the one who kill the police more than anyone on earth? When white Now, with that being said. Uh, this interview is running quite long, so I guess there'll be a part three to uh, uh, Hell in a Handbasket, which is necessary because I need to get this information out to each and every one of you so you can uh, be aware of uh, the new black media and where we're going with this uh, predominantly uh, privileged society that keeps labeling us as anything other than being uh, human, decent black folks. We've got to be gangsters. We've got to be uh, hoods. We've got to be anything than what we really are, which is uh, hardworking, intelligent, melanated individuals who are making major contributions uh, to this world in a, a positive manner. It is time that we bring an end to the tyranny of uh, the privileged uh, 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 white folks. And I'm keeping it real. So if, if this type of inf uh, information or this this type of uh, uh, reporting uh, bothers you, then you need to go to the stations where they provide you plenty of uh, sugar and plenty of frosting because that's not this station here. This station is keeping it to you 100% real. There's no filter when we make this coffee. You're getting this coffee raw, strong, and um, flavorful. Uh, again, we'll be saying that we're going to continue this with uh, uh, part three of uh, Hell in a Handbasket. But uh, as I always do, as I have to do, I'm going to give you my... Uh, Copyright Disclaimer of uh, 1976 of the Fair Use Act and the Title 17, Section 107. Allowances is made for the purpose of fair use, such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. A nonprofit and uh, educational or personal use tempts the balance in my favor. Fair use. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Teddy G. And part three will uh, start uh, soon. Up until then, let me give you this uh, uh, commercial briefing that I wish you guys continue to uh, follow, support, and share these new broadcast stories. They're very enlightening, and uh, you won't get them on uh, lame, lame, mean 
media <clears throat> again thank you so much have a safe and a blessed day i will continue this broadcast shortly